This is the Frontier Freedom Hour, sponsored by Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. Here's Jeff Hunt. Howdy, friends. We are jumping right back into it. On the show today is Kevin Franciotti. He is an expert in addiction, a clinical psychotherapist. He lives here in Littleton. He's in support of Proposition 122, which is going to decriminalize psychedelic mushrooms here in the state of Colorado. And I am giving him the first word. So I set this up. It seems like on one hand, you guys are saying the FDA process is too long and drawn out. And then on the other hand, you're saying, well, if we just leave it the way it is, people aren't going to get the information they need to understand the problem. So uh, give me your response to that. How do we help Coloradans not get into a drug that's going to actually harm them? Yeah, I appreciate that. And and the more opportunities for science, the better. I did not mean to suggest that the uh, cumbersome FDA process is necessarily a limiting factor because it's actually somewhat separate from what this proposition would entail. But to your uh, point about big money coming in, when you look at the development of, of, a, of a medicine like MDMA for treatment of PTSD um, by MAPS, uh, the, it's been a nonprofit drug development process. So we've, it's relied on private philanthropy. There's been no government support. There's been no uh, grant funding, institutional funding, anything like that. So it's all had to rely on the backs of philanthropy, which... Uh, in being done through a nonprofit model is essentially gifts without an expectation on return of investment. And there's a similar organization called the USONA Institute that is more involved in the psilocybin-assisted therapy research, again, dealing with the same kind of issue of lack of funding. So the time that it has taken is not out of, uh, out of the FDA uh, being overly concerned or there being adverse events. Actually, what we've seen in these clinical trials is a minority of things that are concerning, which compared to the development of uh, antidepressants and other kinds of psychiatric medication is a different situation. But essentially, if we've had, if we'd had had government funding and, and grants and opportunities for institutional support, which is somewhat of a byproduct of the war on drugs and tamping down legitimate scientific inquiry, despite doing nothing to mitigate uh, uh, average person's capabilities of using these compounds, we would have seen FDA approval by now. We would have seen FDA approval long ago. We're talking with Kevin Franciotti, who is in support of Proposition 122, which would decriminalize psychedelic mushrooms. I, I guess I don't understand if we're asking for more research why not just to encourage that at the federal level? Why unleash this drug upon the people of Colorado? And when I say unleash, obviously you guys aren't going to have psychedelic mushroom shops set up. And I, but I, I think that's eventually where you guys want to go. Maybe not you, but I think the proponents do. I think that's why they're spending $3 million. I think this is why this is lucrative. This is why the tobacco companies are buying up marijuana companies right now is that this is, this is a moneymaker. And we kind of talked a little bit initially in the first segment about this, but why not just go that route? Why not go to the federal level and say, we need more research at the FDA about this. Why open this up for people to be utilizing in the state of Colorado without fully understanding what the effects are? So there's a a period of time in the history of looking at the investigations into psychedelics in in the Western uh, world uh, that's referred to as the golden era. 
And one might think that that could be this day and age, right, with the psychedelic culture that's coming online. But what we really look at is this period of time shortly after uh, a drug like LSD was discovered by Albert Hoffman and uh, from Sandoz Pharmaceuticals. So in the 1950s and early 1960s, before, you know, Timothy Leary and Tune In, Turn On and Drop Out and the whole cultural countercultural movement, took uh, to fold, there was massive, massive scientific investigation. We're talking thousands of peer-reviewed academic papers, hundreds of thousands of people uh, ingesting these compounds under controlled research settings for a whole variety of indications, everything from depression, alcoholism, uh, existential distress towards end of life. Um, all of these things did take place during that time. And what we saw with uh, the Nixon administration and the war on drugs is a total dampening of all of that research and a shutting down for decades. Uh, nobody wanted to stick their necks out and try to do the work of, of getting things more legitimized because it would be considered career suicide. All the while, throughout the decades of the war on drugs, you know, you almost make my argument for me when you point to the devastating social toll of over 100,000 drug-related deaths, homeless encampments, massive incarceration rates. Uh, if, if we're spending over a trillion dollars and drugs are cheaper, more potent, and dangerous, and you can get them inside of a prison, what have we been doing? It's time for a new approach. Well, I think we've tried that approach, right? So part of your article highlights what's happening in Oregon and this kind of laissez-faire approach to drug use and, frankly, this idea that the, of this notion of harm reduction, which um, it, it, it just isn't working, right? So Oregon is coming out with these ideas of, well, we're going to help people get treatment as opposed to putting them in jail, and very tiny percentages of people are actually seeking help. Instead, um, they're just continuing to use drugs. And so this approach that I've seen from basically 2012, when Colorado commercialized marijuana, what we're talking about is opening up all these drugs to professional capital investments. All right. We're not we're not trying to get people off these. We're incentivizing. And as a capitalist, I know exactly what their bottom line is. And so we've combined capitalism, which is fine in its in most capacities, not all capacities. And when you combine capitalism with addictive drugs, whether it's pornography, um, uh, opioids, we saw this through the entire opioid problem. We're seeing it now in marijuana. And I think mushrooms are the next step in this. Their job is not to get people off the drugs. Their job is to get more people on the drugs. So I guess my question for you, you say that we need to continue kind of Colorado's vision of being on the right track. How, when you look around at Colorado, do you believe that we're on the right track here? That's a great question. And I actually thank you for highlighting uh, the situation in Oregon. And as an addiction counselor, licensed addiction counselor in Colorado, having worked in a variety of state licensed um, drug addiction rehab facilities in New York, as well as harm reduction contexts, um, what we saw in, in Oregon with Measure 110 is a statewide total drug decriminalization with a uh, civil infraction, essentially, as the enforcement vehicle where people pay a fine that essentially funds a system to bring that money downstream into services towards getting people off drugs, getting people stabilized and maintained and keeping people alive, quite frankly. So really, we, we haven't had enough time to see that system play out, but we have had enough time 
uh, in other parts of the world that have done similar things. When you look at Portugal in 2001, I believe it was, that decriminalized all drugs. They had a massive heroin overdose crisis uh, for that country at that time that was unique to Europe. And what they decided to do is actually a model that Oregon looked at to determine what to do with their drug reform efforts. So in, in Portugal, when they decriminalized all drugs, they had a simil, similar uh, civil infraction um, to suggest that people go to treatment when they get fined. And what we saw were drug overdose rates plummet. So the, the question about people not really going into treatment, I can tell you as an addiction professional that the treatment options are abysmal. Abstinence-based models seem to continue to be the dominant uh, factor in the, medic in the addiction treatment industry. And most places either don't have the infrastructure to support the sheer demand of people in need of addiction treatment. They also have uh, the types of interventions that drive really poor outcomes. So what we need is an alternative like the one I experienced. I went to a traditional abstinence-based, 12-step oriented, 30-day program that cost my parents God knows how much money at a time where I was using in, in a way that I could be dead or wind up in jail based on the behavior that I was exhibiting. I can tell you that within two weeks after leaving that facility, I was using again because I had no uh, ongoing support, I wasn't ready to consider an abstinence-based lifestyle. So what I had to do was go back to a, a market that was riddled with fentanyl adulterated heroin and spend the next 10 months playing Russian roulette until I had an opportunity to experience a plant-based medicine that did provide me the turnaround that I needed. We're talking with Kevin Franciotti, who is a addiction specialist, he's in support of Proposition 122. But I guess I didn't hear from your perspective in Colorado. So is your answer that we just need more time to let this all play out? Because we've had now 10 years. In fact, just the other day, they were celebrating kind of marijuana's 10-year uh, anniversary in the state of Colorado. And it was a whole bunch of industry people. It's not parents. It's not researchers. It's not law enforcement that have been dealing with all the problems that we've had here in the state of Colorado. And so I, I just I guess I don't see the way forward here. We just need to continue to decriminalize drugs, continue to allow drugs to be more commercialized. And then on one hand, you're saying that we need to allow this because people have been utilizing drugs forever and psychedelics forever. But then on the same time, we need more harm reduction counseling treatments so that people aren't using it. So I, I, I don't hear, is, is Colorado on the right track in your opinion? It's an incredibly complex question. And I appreciate actually the way you framed it because it speaks to how there's multiple topics here and there's not one simple solution. Um, so, you know, the marijuana legislation that you mentioned, that, that was in reference to a commercial model. You know, it started with medical and brought it towards commercial. So I can certainly sympathize with the idea that this could be a Trojan horse towards unleashing a widespread use. I don't personally see it as happening that way, which is also why I'm not uh, I'm being mindful of not overpromising in the way that you also critiqued. Um, I mentioned needing more time in, in witnessing Oregon's model play out because uh, it was only a recent uh, reform effort. Here in Colorado, uh, what I can tell you is that we've had plenty of time with waiting for this punitive, carceral, draconian approach to our drug issues in this country and in this state, and we've not seen any iota of improvement in social outcomes. And Kevin, and, we're and right up against a hard it. break here. We're going to get back with Kevin Franciotti right after these commercials. We'll be right back. <laughs> 